name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name, and I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos reread every Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined, as always, by the most wanted criminal this side of the Endolite homeworld, it's Vivian. Yeah, I haven't been getting a lot of sleep the last few nights because I've been too busy playing Zelda. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> and we're also joined by the most elegant Estrine on Earth, it's Kate. New book, new book, new book. Hey. Also, new I, book. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep because I've been dog-sitting and also playing Stellaris. <laughs> yeah, Stellaris is another one that'll do that to you, because like... Doesn't like the average like full playthrough of Stellaris something like two hundred hours or something? Yeah, and it of? doesn't feel like it. Like you can play Stellaris for uh, like three hours, and it'll feel like twenty minutes. And you'll look up, and it's like, what happened to time? Oh yeah, 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 yeah no, the, the Stardew Valley effect. As this I call game that. stole my time. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, like, it's always just like, oh, but it's going to rain tomorrow, so I can go to the mine, and I haven't gone to the mine in a while, I want to mm. do that, and then it's just one day comes into just being a total of, like, a week in game and Stardew, and all of a sudden your entire afternoon's gone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Stellaris <laughs> sucks you in in a, in a similar way. Um, I think any game where there's, like, stuff that's progressively completed, and the game gets more interesting as you go... It's yeah. kind of like that, because you want to get to the next bit, and it just pulls you along. Yeah, um, I've, I've never played Solaris, but it always seemed pretty interesting from what I've heard. It is a really, really, really good grand strategy RTS. Like, it's it's fantastic. And the customization for other factions is just out of this world. Like, Endless Space was okay when it came to that. Stellaris is, is, is like, king. Stellaris <laughs> is... Uh, is oh, fantastic yeah, that, when it comes to that kind of thing. That that just reminds me, they actually finally released uh, Everspace 2 out of early access. That was a game that uh, a friend gifted me like two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's it's basically like uh you know you have like your spaceship that you're flying around in. It's like third person view of it and stuff. Although mm-hmm. I think you do first person and like you're finding like more and more loot to like customize your entire <laughs> ship and give it new weapons and stuff. It's pretty cool. Like it's it, just, uh... I wasn't that good at actually like uh, flying the ship, but I meant to get back to that once the exit early access. Sounds a lot like No Man's Sky. I um... yeah, yeah, a little bit, except that you're yeah. not getting off on the ground, so it's just always like yeah. everything is with the ship. No Man's Sky was is like just a, an amazing experience in VR. Unfortunately, <laughs> with my back, I have yeah. a hard time with oh, the yeah. VR headsets. They're too heavy. So, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine, like, any, like, flying a spaceship around experience in VR is probably cool. Well, well yeah, no, it's it's really, really cool because the controls are just the controls. Like, you reach mm-hmm. out and you, yeah, like, yeah. use the controls like like you're on the ship and you open the, the ship up by, by like, op- literally opening the cockpit up. And, you, like, you can look around <laughs> in space, you're dogfighting. It's, it's fantastic. The problem is that until they make... I have a pretty old VR headset, so maybe they already have, but until they make a, a <laughs> VR headset that's significantly lighter than the one that I have, which is the original Oculus Rift. Oh, yeah, um, same. <laughs> uh, I, it, it's, it's just too hard on my back. It's, there's too yeah, much. Yeah, the, the like, problem weight. with VR with me is I just feel like I would get motion sick so easily since I know this in like the last decade, I just get motion sick way easier for some reason. Yeah, uh, you probably can, like, because. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably because of, like, the anxiety thing. I think they just combine and just makes it miserable. And also, I need glasses, so I can't yeah, really yeah. wear a VR headset, usually. You, 
so the one that I have, the the one that I have, like glasses fit. Although at the same time, like even though I am nearsighted and I can't see much stuff that's like more than four feet ahead of me, I am I'm fine with VR because it's not actually that far ahead of you. <laughs> it looks far ahead of you, but it's not. So, right. it, like, apparently, I'm not I'm not nearsighted in VR. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I I also find though that that my glasses do fit under, and they have like a peripheral that you can get that creates more space yeah. as well. Um, but but yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a new book. <laughs> we are, yeah. It's uh, it's time to start book five. How are we feeling heading into book five, y'all? Well, I uh, mean, after I mean, look, after last book, I was like, okay, maybe they can plan a little bit, <laughs> and <laughs> immediately still... out of the gate, book five is like, oh, funny that you would think that. We're <laughs> still only the... in single digits. Yeah, like, yeah. but yeah. it's like. It's the, uh, it's the, what's it called, the awkward zombie, uh, Samus drinking a can of soda through her visor being like, it's funny you think that thing, <laughs> or whatever it was, to me, thinking that these kids might learn how to plan. <laughs> Especially now that they actually have an Andalite with them, and it's like, nope. <laughs> Eventually. Also, you gotta remember, just cause, just cause Axe is an Andalite doesn't mean he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but I would think he'd be more sensible. <laughs> He's a he, child. He's, he's a he's, child just like but the others. He's a child who's fully aware of just how fucked the Yorks are, which I thought the kids already understood, but I guess no. At least Cassie didn't fully. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's different, right? Because, like, X has the propaganda perspective. Sure, he has his people telling him that the Yorks just burn planets all over the place, but he's never actually met one. Yeah. The I first guess. time he encountered a York was last episode when he was a shark tearing Texans apart. Yeah, exactly. He is, you know, he's he's been, he's sheltered. I mean, I mean, as sheltered in the sense that he's grown up with inside of the uh, uh, Andalite military. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so he's got combat training, but I wouldn't say that he's exactly like any more. He's he's still gonna be naive, just like the rest of the kids. You know what I mean? Because yeah, he's a that's kid. Fair. Yeah, especially like <laughs> it's just they they make such a bad plan and then immediately goes to hell. <laughs> it's fine, but seriously, like even in the one fight he was in, they sent him to the the dome part of the ship to get mm -hmm. left behind because just being on the ship is too much for him. So <laughs> in. The Andalite Chronicles were going to get to see how an actually, like, competent uh, adult Andalite functions and behaves. And it's very different from how Axe does. <laughs> so, <laughs> not to say that Axe is incompetent, but Axe is a kid. So, Axe you know. will eventually become competent. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not right now. <laughs> he he has to mature, yeah. too. I, I'm still also expecting that, like, basically, once we're at, like, book 36 or something like that, they're still going to keep doing the explanation of, like, these are what the Yorks are. This is how fucked morphing is. <laughs> a Axe also has this idea that war and violence 
can be glorious and honorable and and for a good purpose um which this series has a lot to say about you know yeah. that whole well, attitude I mean, so he's still just kind of stuck in like pre-world war one british soldier mode don't worry about yeah. it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. we this... we have a new narrator this time. We do, yes. Uh, so this week we are starting Animorphs Book 5, The Predator. Cover tag, what you see isn't always what you get. Finally! A cover tag that's actually relevant to the content of the book. <laughs> that's not just the generic Animorph shit. We haven't gotten to the point where it will be relevant yet, uh, but... You finally, we have something that actually fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, of course, by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant. I'm calling that out because eventually they'll stop being by them, and I want it to be, like, a thing when it happens. Uh, yeah. And cover by David Mattingly. Uh, fun fact about this book, on the inside cover, uh, the gorilla illustration in the alleyway, uh, David Mattingly has uh, graffitied the names of his own cats on the walls. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are the names of the cats? Uh, that would be Orson, which you can see very big there in white lettering, uh-huh. and Mouse, which is in black underneath. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of some some like street punk or whatever just going by the name Orson. <laughs> tagging stuff or, or, or he just needs to let the world know that he just loves his cats yes ah. um that's actually i think a very because the the inside covers are always from somewhere in the book and i i can't really think of an, another one that happens so soon in the yeah. book you know what i mean <laughs> like usually they're from about the midpoint um, and this one is like just right away, like honestly, first chapter, which we'll mm-hmm. get into just just now. So where, what, why is this gorilla in an alley patch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's jump into chapter uh, one, which I have titled "Is that a monkey? He's got a gun." <laughs> I okay. I'm glad that a I thought of that as well when uh, the whole thing happened in the alleyway, and I was really hoping you would name this that. <laughs> uh. I don't to be, understand to be the fair, reference. The, it's uh, sure. it's a Hellboy reference. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also to be fair, this monkey doesn't get a gun. <laughs> no, but other people do, so it's okay. Also, <laughs> technically not a monkey. <laughs> well, it wasn't a monkey in Hellboy either. That's true. It was oh, a think, chimp. Wasn't it? Oh. Oh, right, yeah. I wish I get chimps are, like, technically a different classification of ape, uh, like, well, primate as well. And it arguably might not have even been a chimp. It was a man who was transfigured into a chimp. Ah, uh, fair. So technically not even any sort of prime. Well, I mean, I guess it is some sort of primate. In the gorillas, g- gorillas, chimps, orangutans, and uh, gibbons. No, not, not gibbons. Uh, gibbons are lesser apes. Uh, and humans are all great apes. So if, if, an a- if a chimp is a monkey, then so is a human. <laughs> One of those weird situations where there's just so much classification for it's like a human, but it's got fur all over it, or hair all over it, I guess. Listen, human, humans are not actually all that different from other great apes. We're just yeah. weird because we're bipedal. And, and we can talk. And a little bit more, like, a little bit more carnivorous. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They will actually go and eat stuff <laughs> that is was living at the times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Marco introduces himself briefly and talks about how he wishes he could tell us his last name because that would mean that everything was back to normal, but he can't. So the end. And then we just flash straight into the story. He does not do the full recap like everyone else. Um. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a little bit of a recap, but it's not like an entire chapter almost like the others have been. Yeah. Marco has gone to the 7-Eleven for groceries, and it's not in the best neighborhood. It's kind of in the evening at night-ish, so he's walking fast. He's got his groceries. He's heading home. And then uh, he hears an old man getting beat up in an alley by three punks, is the word Marco uses. And <laughs> he really, as much as he has been a pain about other people doing stupid stuff, he thinks for, about it for maybe six seconds before immediately yeah, starting to move yeah, into I, a Yeah, I didn't know that, that it's like, Marco talked a big game about wanting to just like be yeah. left alone and just protect his own and himself, but when push comes to shove, he will just step up and help other people unprompted by anybody else. Yeah. And then and it, you would think that also he would be like, okay, well, I gotta maintain the facade that I don't want to actually do anything, but he immediately tells them the next chapter that he was like a superhero, basically. Yeah, well, the thing... That's the thing is, what Marco does in this situation is is a good thing, I'm mm -hmm. sure. You know, he probably saved this old man's life, or, or at least prevented him from, from the possibility of yeah, injury. Yeah, at, at the least but prevented this man from getting, like, beat up and robbed. He's such a fucking hypocrite, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, Rachel did basically the same thing to protect herself, and then he called her out for it. Mm -hmm. And now he sees someone else yeah. getting hurt, and he, he changes into a gorilla. Okay, and... so for what it's worth... Marco at least was in an alleyway at night where only a few people could see him compared to people being able to see a giant well, like elephant girl out yeah, of the street true. in broad daylight. Mar Mar Marco takes effort to make sure people don't see a morph. Yeah, he does specifically hide behind the dumpster to do the morph and then come yeah, outside. Yeah, that, that's also the yeah. distinction compared to Rachel just like running like and straight morphing. up morphing in front of them on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Again, pointing out that it's like if that guy was a uh, had a yerk in his head, then it's like, oh, okay, it's obvious that it's Pete. And, like there are some kids who had the morphing power, not Andalites. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Marco does not mention what he did with his groceries, just that he ducks behind a dumpster to morph. So. Uh... <laughs> I think it's explained around that he lost the milk. I think. Yeah, he sure does. But I just like, what are you doing, bud? Did you did you put him down at least? What <laughs> I would think he would have, yeah. It's also very amusing that he's like, I went to go get groceries, and meanwhile he has like milk and like a bag of like Skittles, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, I mean, the milk, sure, that's a good healthy thing, but like Skittles ain't food, my guy. That's a that's a that's a candy. <laughs> Listen, when you let a twelve year old do the grocery shopping, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've watched Home Alone. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think uh, do you, I don't think Marco at any points asks if, asks if the tooth if a toothbrush is is approved by the American Medical <laughs> Association. But. Does, like, does he even need that anymore? Realistically speaking, if he got a cavity, just morphing in and out of something would fix it, right? I guess so. 
I'm confused as to how fillings work with morphing. <laughs> I I kind of understood that it wouldn't because it's like you know they're, I mean they're taking the the animal's DNA. So like obviously if the animal's like had to be like had like a limb amputated or something, they still have that limb. But I think if they got like if they had their arm chopped off in human form and then turned into an animal and back, they would still have an arm missing, right? Oh no, they absolutely would not. The arm would the arm would grow back. The arm would absolutely grow back. Really. Yes. What the fuck? That's actually that actually becomes an important plot point much much later in the uh, in, in the nope. book that huh. that hum, like human injuries that you have before you morph if you morph and then you morph back they're gone. Weird so, because like I remember yeah. that being a thing that gets discussed with like the fact that uh like you know they mentioned like getting hurt in animal form but they're like well we morph back and we're fine I mean obviously yeah, yeah, I, the tail. Huh. I would argue they should not have belly buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hmm, yeah, that brings up a good point. <laughs> that is, in a sense, an injury, I guess. And if any of them are circumcised, oh, not anymore. <laughs> oh, no. No piercing. Okay, no okay wait, so so if if you were a trans anamorph and had GRS, would that undo the GRS? Uh, pro- unfortunately, probably. But, uh, like, no. like, later on, you can morph, I don't know, when it's all over, you can just, like, Morph, 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 whatever you want, and then you know, stick with it. Um, so uh, that that's a real uh, that's a real shitty situation if you like get the power of the morph, and then mm-hmm. years later you realize you're trans, and it's like, so I either have to stop saving the planet and order to might... be my true self and get the surgery done, or I need to let the planet die or potentially die. So and it, trust it, it to might, other people. It might, it might depend on the image of yourself that you have in your head when you're morphing, because. Hmm. Like that's kind of an important part of it is is holding that image. Maybe, but if we're going based on like the DNA thing, it's like well, technically, your DNA had a factor in what you were I wanna, born with, right? Like I do, I do. I, like I'm saying, it's if I if I morph DNA... to morph back, would I lose my breast implants? <laughs> I guess. DNA, uh, uh, that it we'll we'll learn, we'll see what happens later if you morph with like stuff inside of you that's not living. <laughs> it's not great. Uh... <laughs> Um, this is uh, the stuff I never knew about Adam Morphs. Apparently, there's a lot of like horrifying body shit going on. Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, so much. Like I thought it was like I knew that there was like oh kids turning into animals to fight alien invaders and stuff. I didn't realize just but, how fucked it gets at times. But Especially also, just with, it, like body stuff. This this is one thing where like if you have to you try to bring actual genetics and epigenetics into it, yeah. it kind of does fall apart because. Animorphs kind of assumes that genetics works, like, genes work like Legos. Like, it's just a yeah. set of instructions yeah. for building something, when in reality, it's it's a lot more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the process of sex, like, the, the development of sex characteristics in humans and other organisms is mostly epigenetic, not genetic. In other words, the ge- like, your genes start the process but then there's a whole bunch of other shit that comes into it that's not genetic that actually directs how you develop um including yeah. hormones yeah. so okay. it, it's it's like i don't know i think it's just better not to think about it you know like yeah. it's, it's yeah. this t3k like i forget what the exact quote is from the theme song <laughs> uh but you know it's it's like it it, it'll work if the plot requires it to, and if it doesn't, oh, then that's yeah, fine. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, we literally if, had Tobias have dark vision for the first three books, and now he doesn't. <laughs> if you are injured or, like, disabled in some way, then morphing generally fixes that. Um, so... Is and this is extremely new science, so there's no way it would happen in the books. Yeah, but like a recent study suggests that when you're on hormone therapy, it actually alters your epigenetics to bring it more. In yeah, I did. I did gender. see that. Yeah. So it's that... very possible that if you were on hormone therapy long enough, that you could just naturally change gender when morphing. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's on, like, epi epigenetics are, like, all the, epi means on, genetics, you know, genetics, so it's, like, on top of genetics, the stuff that affects what your, like, whole, you know, how your development goes, that is not genetic, but is instead stuff that's laid on top of that, and sometimes that can actually, like, turn off or on certain genes. Yeah. So, yeah, I could, I could see that. Um, also there, there's like ways, there's poss possible ways to, they've not actually done this in mice, there are transcription factors that you can activate and deactivate that will actually cause, um, because, because like, uh, testicular and, and, and ovarian tissue is inherently, like, pluripotent, it's capable of, like, it has to be in order to produce germ cells, it, it's capable of, of, reverting back into stem cells and then mm -hmm. uh re like becoming something else um there are actually like cellular factors genetic factors that are epigenetic factors that like maintain the current uh the current you know form as testicular or ovarian tissue if if you turn on or off certain transcription factors that i forget the names of you can actually cause testicular tissue to become ovarian tissue or vice versa. The potential is there. Uh, the genetics are there. Uh, the it's, it's basically epigenetic. That's, that's what, that's what actually causes that. Now yeah. we've done this in mice. We have not done this in humans because no one is going to pay for an expensive study that will only benefit trans people. So sadly, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's a problem. My, my point is that if, if the plot wanted that to happen, if the plot wanted, um, like, trans people to be able to maintain their, their, uh, like, maintain their, um, preferred anatomies after morphing, then I'm sure that that would be okay, I guess. It's... It, I don't know. Axe it's, took it, four people and combined them into one person last book, and he got to choose to be a boy, so I think... Yeah, that yeah. also brings up a lot more questions, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's a name for that. We'll, we'll hear about it later. Um, <laughs> Which just also brings up, like, I'm sure Tobias probably figured out something like that in the end. Maybe. If you're wondering how he eats and breathes and other science <laughs> facts, then repeat to yourself, it's just a show, I should really just relax. No, we just have a chat. Max eats through his butt. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was, I was, I was, that was the, uh, what I was thinking about earlier from the theme song to Mystery Science 3000. Oh. Where they're basically like, hey, if you're wondering, if you think, if you're thinking about this too hard and you're don't, wondering don't how, worry like, about it. any yeah. of this works, just don't fucking worry about it. It's just a show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically the, should be the tagline of all the shows that we've watched uh, on this weirdos cast. It's like, just don't think about it too hard. Huh. 
Like, does, does MT actually have to eat because they're a metal person? We've seen them, like, drool and stuff, so obviously they must be able to because they can produce liquid. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> I mean, it's it's our job to overanalyze things. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. That, that's that's what, like, every podcast, like, rewatching or rereading or whatever something from 30-year-olds is. <laughs> yep. Just being yeah. like, this is us crossly examining this thing in a way it was never meant to be so. This is why I want to do a Babylon 5 rewatch. <laughs> it would be real fun. It would be real fun to do that with Babylon 5. Um, we should continue this. Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, we're like, two minutes into this book. <laughs> not even. Um... So Gorilla Marco just kind of steps out from behind the dumpster and shows himself to the punks, and their immediate reaction is to attack the gorilla, so I don't know what's going on with these uh, yeah, guys. Yeah, but... these, guys, these guys are real fucking dumb. It's a silverback gorilla. It can fuck you up so easily. <laughs> yes, but like the first guy just stabs him with a little knife. And if a gorilla shows up in an alley, do not attempt to stab the gorilla with a yeah, knife. Yeah, you're just going to make it angrier. <laughs> Yeah, so he throws the first two guys, literally picks up and throws them down the alley. And then um, the third guy pulls out a gun and starts firing at the gorilla. So then he started blasting. Don't do that, but... Yeah, yeah, you're just going to make him angrier. Uh, Yeah, so Marco squishes him flat by pushing him, I mean, pushing the dumpster onto him. But then the old guy that he saves finds the gun and starts firing because, again, gorilla. Um... To be, the, the old man is at least justified. He's fucking terrified of the fact that there's a giant gorilla in this alleyway that ostensibly just saved him, but he also doesn't realize that. Yes. Um, yeah, and so then we get into chapter two, which I have called The Fast and the Furious. Uh, um, I, I, look, that's that's hypocritical of me. My chapter four title is also a bad pun, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> It's only we have vaguely to. related, but because of some of the stuff they say. <laughs> we we have to... If we're going to make bad puns, we have to respond to them as if they're bad puns, because that's part of the fun of having oh, bad yeah. puns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Who so, <laughs> yeah. uh, says... I mean, look, that's... I don't think there is such a thing as a bad pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is. There is. <laughs> Mine is one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, so, at the beginning of chapter two, Mirko recounts this to all of his friends, talking about what happened and how disgruntled he is that the old man is firing at him. And, yeah, he did lose his, quote, milk and bag of M&M's. Oh, his M&M's on Skittles, right. Yeah. I guess, but... like, slightly healthier than Skittles, because at least, like, chocolate has some decent properties in it compared I... to Skittles. Hey, no, Skittles have vitamin C. Oh, they do? Huh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're, what, they're like one of the only things keeping Patch from getting scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. I mean, the, the energy drinks are much better for vitamins than Skittles are. Man, I haven't had Skittles in like probably like a decade, maybe. <laughs> I get like 12,000% of my vitamin C every day. <laughs> you, you can't eat plants, so. <laughs> Wait, really? You uh, can't eat plants? It's not exactly that, but it kind of is. I have, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's called the super taster gene, which I hate because it sounds very pretentious. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like you're like a foodie of some sort, like a real big food critic. 
What it means is that very specific flavors really, really intensify for me. They're like 10 to 20 times more intense than they are for most folks. So I can't really eat most fruits or vegetables because they tend to have a lot of bitter flavor in them. And a lot of folks I don't Uh, think would even notice, but... Yeah, that 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 means that like you're severely limited in like stuff like even like soups and stuff. That that sucks. Soups are usually okay if you marinate something long enough. It kind of loses. I guess the, yeah, like... yeah. The, the flavor kind of gets like dissipated throughout the entirety of it compared to like in like the vegetable itself. Yeah. I guess. Like I can't drink alcohol either because all I taste is the alcohol in the background. <laughs> if you eat like a pepper that's been, it's kind of how I imagine if you eat like a pepper that's been grown in like really dry or hot conditions it tastes more bitter and it's like there's that stuff is there but you just usually don't taste it very well like the only veggies i can actually eat are corn and peas just the most bland mush imaginable (laughs) i mean like corn corn at least is good (laughs) It's it's more of a grain than it is a vegetable yeah. yeah. Asparagus is okay, but that's because it's got that weird acidic thing going on. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that, that, I didn't yeah. realize that. That that sounds like misery. It's not fun. I end up eating a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> uh, anyway. And, and apparently Skittles <laughs> to get your vitamin C. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so this in this chapter we get the recap about why they can morph and the aliens and who everybody is. And I'm, if I'm honest, I'm just going to skip that basically uh, every yeah. time it happens because we know all this. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We are reading these in sequential order <laughs> or chronological order, the, I guess. Since you're the first one doing this, you have the first chapters every time. So mm-hmm. we'll forgive you. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Now you say that, I just also realized that, yeah, you're going to you have that basically every book probably. <laughs> The only thing I want to call out in this recap, because they can be interesting, right? They, they do give you perspective on how the characters see each other. Yeah. But for the most part, mm-hmm. this one is just Marco saying, this is Rachel, she's hot. Uh, the, the, the interesting one to me is he talks about Cassie in a very specific way. Um, if I'm comedy, she's poetry. She is the mm-hmm. one who knows when you're feeling bad and will find something nice to say that makes you feel better. And it's not yeah. like she's manipulating. She really cares about things. She's, like, sincere Sin- or something. Yeah, like, yeah. like sincere or something. It's a funny description, but it's also, like, it is pretty, like, heartwarming that he at least, like, is like, yeah, Cassie's a sensitive member of the it, group, and she actually gives a shit. It is, it is heartwarming. Marco likes Cassie. Uh, but also, yeah. it's it's hilarious that Marco finds the concept of someone being <laughs> sincere to yeah, be baffling. Yeah. He's like, wow, somebody can be not sarcastic? What the fuck? <laughs> I, I like how he, he um, I like how he introduces Tobias. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where you, you yeah, can go I, on with that. I forget what chapter it is, but I do like that, like, even though, like, he describes it like, oh, yeah, I give it to Tobias shit sometimes, but also what happened to him fucking terrifies me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's this two. right here. Tobias's intro yeah. is two lines. I tease oh, okay. Tobias sometimes. What happened to him scares me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, I, like I, I, I mean, I read these chapters, like, almost a week ago in preparation for yeah. Zelda. Obviously. This is what so, I love like, about I, <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to remember the earlier chapters. This is what I like about the Marco books is that we get like snippets of his internal monologue that he would never vocalize to. Yeah, 
yeah, other... that's 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 what I was looking forward to the most as we got deeper yeah. into the other books. Because like, I mean, at first I was like, Marco mm-hmm. fucking sucks. I'm tired of this guy already. <laughs> but it's like as time went on, it was like actually being like, wait, he actually seems like he's insightful. Like like when he Cassie yeah. had the conversation with him where she was like, yeah, you're actually like a smart person, and can I? And it's like pretty thoughtful. He's like, yeah, don't don't rub that into other people. I'm not an image to maintain. <laughs> <Yeah>. I got <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, exactly. <laughs> he has layers. He's like an ogre or an onion. <laughs> yeah. uh, so skipping past the rest of the recap, Jake just starts going on about how he shouldn't be morphing out in public, and he brings up what happened in book three with Rachel and Tobias attacking the car lot and compares this to that, but this isn't like that. They were on live TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was way... Mm-hmm. I, God, I for, kind of forgot that already happened. That was way more fucking public. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Also, for some reason, I thought that was in the Cassie book. I'm already forgetting these books because I thought that was like definitely not the Tobias. Oh right, yeah, because because it's Tobias like opening the combination lock with his mm. talents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, also worth noting, Marco talks a lot about how there's five of them specifically. Uh, they did rescue Axe in the last book, but I guess he's not including Axe among their numbers yet because he still yeah. he just keeps repeating. There's five of us. There's only five kids. Five against the yeah. I mean, I think, obviously I think... it's for obviously it's for the sake of the reveal of like here's an alien deer hanging out. Well, Axe, <laughs> yeah. I I think it's that, but also the fact that Axe isn't really a member of the team yet. Yeah. Like he yeah, because like I mean, still we'll... intent on going home. Yeah, that's like the entire basis of these first few chapters. He doesn't actually actually become an Animorph, probably until the one he narrates, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Do we actually get the sense of how much time has passed between the end of book four and start of book five? I don't think we do, no. It feels like it's like a week at most, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's very long, because they haven't really talked to Axe very much based on the way they consider him but yeah, yeah and Axe really clearly hasn't actually been... practiced like standing on two feet or talking with a mouth <laughs> based on what we'll see <laughs> again you would think There's... Axe you should probably actually consider that because you might have to go into human society at times Axe should be and this is something this, this is something that we'll probably be talking about a lot in the future Axe should be practicing human morph he should like he should alone. be practicing everything <laughs> away like you know in the forest where he lives he should be practicing human morph and yeah yeah we'll we'll get into that practice walking on two legs practice just Mm -hmm. like various mouth sounds and stuff just so you have just all get get all this shit out of his system but we'll get into that later it's like stuff like that always makes me think of like how like when I'm, like, designing, again, not to make it a tabletop group, uh, like, analogy, but, like, I always, like, envision it as, like, okay, I want to justify why my character knows this. It's, like, how, like, my elf paladin started with a double-bladed scimitar and they couldn't yeah. use it, and it's, like, well, they're learning how to use it because it was trusted to them by their stepfather, and so it's, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, because they sleep only half the night because they're an elf, they've been practicing with it during that time that they have before everybody else wakes up. Lax well, doesn't know how to do shit so. Yeah, besides, as established, Axe is lazy and a slouch. He doesn't pay attention. Oh, to school, yeah, so. yeah, true. Yeah, he's he's admitted already. On within minutes of meeting them, he's like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit about school. I just want to murder alien brain slugs. <laughs> You'll need an education to murder brain slugs." <laughs> Who needs college? We could go to France and die for the glory and, of the empire. And yet he knows how to build an interplanetary communication device. <laughs> but he's a teenager who doesn't pay attention in school. 
I mean, that's probably just like standard issue, like uh, training that's like mandatory in the end of life. Just be like, if you get stuck on an alien planet, you need to be in actually communicate to us. Right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, they're uh, they're all going out to the forest to talk to Axe now, which is why this conversation started. And uh, apparently, they have a plan, and the plan is that uh, they want to send Axe home, but they can't on account of it's eighty-two light years away. So <laughs> well, it's specifically because X wants to go home. Like he's, it's not like them being like we want to send him home. He's like I want to get the hell, the hell home so I can tell them about shit. Yeah, I mean they want to send him home because if he gets home, he tells the end of lights. True, happening true. also yeah, faster. also fair. Yeah. yeah, like hey, if he tells them, if he gets there and tells them how fucked it is, maybe they'll actually hurry up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the the plan is uh, they're just gonna go ahead and steal a York spaceship real quick. Never mind the fact that X would then be flying a Yerk spaceship into Andalite space, despite them being in active war. Yeah, um, it, I mean, I didn't even think about that. It's like, even if X did get a ship and was flying in and communicated them, like, no, this is X, uh, Millie, whatever his whole name is. It's like, they would be like, fuck you, you're Yerk, and blast him out of the sky. <laughs> that boy would just die immediately. They would not trust him, because, like, I mean, they were like, well, nobody else survived, so clearly you have to be Yerk. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Um... And then, of course, we get into chapter three, which I have called the planning session. Um, they meet up with Axe, and he's just kind of out in the middle of a field. He's not, like, hiding or anything. Yeah, no, he's just hanging out. <laughs> uh, this, As per last book, he does live now on a field as part of Cassie's farm, so I guess her parents are just cool with there being a blue deer thing hanging out. I mean, I, I, think, I, he, I think he's far enough away that they aren't really paying much attention. Do do they never take, uh, so I, like, I feel like Cassie's farm is mostly wilderness, because and, and that they don't really, I mean, they're both very busy vets, so yes. I, I doubt they have much time to go and, like, manage their land. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So it it might be that because like the the farm has been in Cassie's family for generations, but no one in Cassie's family is a farmer yes. right now. So it's it's a farm in like the historical sense, not in the current sense. It was a farm back before the Civil War. Now it's just the woods. Yeah, <laughs> nature nature has reclaimed itself. Apparently, yeah, and I feel like if if they if Cassie's mom or dad ever like took took a tractor out there then <laughs> I don't know maybe Tobias would like tip Axe off to that or something yeah that's probably fair yeah maybe it's just like maybe these days it's just Tobias is usually hanging out with Axe and just like scouting the area around and being like look uh, you gotta leave here because there's people approaching you <laughs> actually that is not that's not that's not untrue <laughs> that's <laughs> That's like a lot of that tip. I think it becomes that comes to typify X and Tobias's uh, relationship. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they're essentially, I want to say roommates, but like fieldmates <laughs> is really more accurate. <laughs> they get pretty close. It's kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of that, right now the X shows up, and the first thing that happens, is Jake goes, "Oh no, I hope there's no people around," because he didn't bother to check before X showed up. And so then Tobias goes and does the scout out and says, "Whoops, there's people over there, but they're having a picnic, so just don't go that way. Don't worry about it." They're also um, two miles away, which like they're that they don't really. That's not a problem, is it? That they're two miles away. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, also yeah. that is a pretty 
far distance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not the not the farthest, I guess, but it's like it's far enough that you really wouldn't notice a blue alien deer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Marco is a little. He, he opens up this conversation with skepticism, talking about how ridiculous the idea of stealing a York spaceship is. And X is basically entirely on board because, uh, quote, the higher the danger, the higher the honor. Is this not true? <laughs> so Marco needles Rachel a little bit about this because that is historically. Well, how do I put this? Rachel has not historically been all about jumping into danger face first, but Marco treats her like she has been. Like, and... like she, she is pretty gung-ho about things, but she's also not suicidal. Yeah, like, she will definitely, as the books go on, she will become far more reckless and more willing to jump into things without thinking about them, right? But Marco's treating her like she acts like that now, and that's just not true. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, the last time she really wanted to be, like, really, uh, you know, like, gung-ho about something, I mean, aside from, like, freeing the hawk, but that was really more Tobias's plan, <laughs> it was because she wanted to, like, get information to try to save her friend. Like, I don't think that's being reckless. That's you caring about your friend. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, when we see through Marco's eyes, his perspective on Rachel is basically that she's some kind of warrior goddess embodied in a human form. And that's just not Rachel. <laughs> he, he calls her, he calls her, uh... He, he's, he's, he calls her, like, has it all looks and brains, but also says she's totally insane lunatic Amazon warrior queen. And yeah, she will be later. She's not yet. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like I mean, this is this is kind of a, a case of like putting the cart before the horse, you know. Yeah. We're getting I mean, we're getting is... the the tell without the show. Exactly. Yeah, I th I think it's just because it's like her morph kind of has like partly like the most potential for murder. I guess is maybe why he's coming to this conclusion. I don't think that's true. Jake is a tiger. Yeah, but elephants yeah. are fucking heavy, and if they step on you, you're fucked. Like, if you get bit by a tiger, you might live. Depends if you get the tiger off of you. No, Jake is, is Jake is DPS, thing. Rachel's the tank. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. J Jake and Marco are DPS, Tobias is the, the rogue, essentially, because he can fly, and used to have dark vision, but not anymore. He's got sneak attack. Yeah, and uh, Cassie, I mean, Cassie's clearly just, like, the, the healer, because she's the wisdom character. <laughs> I'm not super sure Marco is a DPS character. He doesn't. He's a he's a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, and gorillas don't have. Yeah, but gorillas are fucking strong as hell. Uh, listen, that's like fine. I'm I'm fucked it's regardless. Of, I'm fucked strong, if I have to. Like if I have to fight a tiger or a gorilla, I'm fucked either way. But I at least feel like I have better chances against. Uh... Actually, no, I guess I'm fucked every way. I was about to be, like, against a tiger, but the tiger would definitely outrun me. The gorilla, maybe. Tigers are predators specialized in immediately yeah. killing their prey with one attack. Yeah. Gorillas are just yeah. gorillas. Well, I guess that gorillas depends on how fast gorillas but... run, because I feel like gorillas only Not have, like, a short Not as fast as a tiger. Speed. Yeah. Like, I guess it's, like, a case of, like, if I can't escape, it's like, well, I feel like I'm just fucked either way. I was about to be like, I think I have better chance against a tiger, but then you brought up that they're designed to bite and kill in one hit. A gorilla can reach speeds of up to 20 miles an hour. <laughs> okay, so the gorilla can outpace me, definitely. <laughs> Olympic runners can outpace a gorilla. I ain't one of them. <laughs> yes. 
But the point remains. I, okay. I just so don't so think if it comes down is. to having to fight the, one of the animals, I choose Cassie because she's always she's still just been a horse or a dolphin. I know a horse can fuck you up too, but also <laughs> the horse has like a little bit less. The the battle more murder. Cassie tends to default to later as wolf. Um, uh, oh yeah, right. Duh, yeah, they all became wolves. It. Like that's the bias, also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they all have wolf morphs. Cassie doesn't really, I think, tend to prioritize getting very damaging morphs no, for definitely obvious not. reasons. I, I guess the moral lesson here is don't fight any of these kids because even yeah. the bias can get your eyes oh, out. They would all. They would all. If they had time to morph, they would all murder you. Yeah. Oh yeah. For the record, tigers can hit about 40 miles an hour. I guess that's the part. If you need to fight them, I guess the question is, are you fighting them when they're already morphed, or do they need to, like, try to, like, get enough distance to you to have yeah. time to morph? Because, like, they even say Axe takes, like, three minutes to morph. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's a lot. <laughs> like, it that, is, that's but old. he's also really inexperienced. True. Um, I mean, they all are. They're all idiot kids. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they decide to steal this spaceship, and uh, basically, they're like, Jake is moderately offended by the idea of fighting for honor. Like, that's not the thing he cares about. And this kind of is a total shock to Axe, but ultimately, Jake doesn't really care about what's honorable. He's a guerrilla fighter, and so he will, you know, kill where he can. <laughs> yeah, Jake, Jake is... Yeah. Jake might still be the most white bread of them, but at least he's also sensible. <laughs> like, Axe Ax asks, what else do you fight for if not honor? And here I have written in my notes, I don't know, like, not getting yurked and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Like, not not getting like, I don't super know, murdered? The actual, the actual, like, material stuff that we're fighting for? Yeah, tr trying to save the planet? <laughs> yeah. Not honor, yeah. my guy? <laughs> Honestly, by this point in the book, Jake seriously just strikes me as the sort of person who would realize oh oh we're fighting a guerrilla war i should probably go to the library and read about vietnam some <laughs> yeah oh yeah exactly. no absolutely he, he is the most read, nerdy of them that he would do that like of, of them rachel is the only one who has been revealed to have read anything that would be germane to the situation yeah, which, which is yeah. the sort of war yeah which is also <laughs> a little strange still <laughs> no no she's like it's like barco said up there she has she's looks and brains she has both of them she's the warrior poet philosopher Amazon queen, and yet like, he acts like she's insane when she's actually bothering to do some research. <laughs> oh, she'll be she'll be insane later. It's fine. Oh yeah, don't okay. worry. About but <laughs> but not not insane yet. Yes, <laughs> that's the distinction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the plan that they come up with is that uh, X is going to create a York distress beacon, which will get a ship to investigate. And Marco makes a joke about calling Visser three for help, but. This actually really upsets Axe on account of Visser Three murdered his brother and like, come on man, be chill. <laughs> don't 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 joke about your your friend's brother's murderer. That's that's not a fun thing. <sighs> but either way, uh the idea is that they'll hear the distress beacon and send a bug fighter to investigate, and Marco says, more or less entirely baselessly, there is always at least one Hork Bajir and one taxon aboard each bug fighter. Marco, you've never been on a bugfighter. You don't know this. <laughs> you are just uh, randomly assuming. It's true, though. That is true. I, 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 feel like, I feel like they might have gotten that information somehow. I mean, they've seen bugfighters land. They've seen the the crew come out. It's like there's. They always have a hork bajir. They do always have a hork bajir and a taxon. Taxons are generally the pilots. 
Um, so. Oh, weird. I thought I wouldn't have thought that the Horkbazir would be the pilots because they're not giant centipedes. Like no, they taxons have, arms. have lots of little grippy arms. They can use uh, to work yeah, the I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. They yeah. can just hold. It. It's like uh, it's like they have like a giant fighting board, like fighting game keyboard yeah. or whatever yeah. that they made, but they can actually have their hands on every button all all at once. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> all right, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so then Max starts like dunking on Marco for being afraid of Orkbegir, which it's, it's like I get it. He's twelve, but also they've killed a lot of Orkbegir. Is the thing? Um, yes, they have killed a lot more controllers than Axe has. Uh, they have like Axe has fought controllers though. It, it, they they say, they say he hasn't, but he has because they were in the ocean and they did yeah. that. They yeah. definitely uh, didn't do that. Yeah, I did notice that too. He says that that, that happened, but that's like, no, you you did. <laughs> Still, <a> shark. <laughs> even though the, the the kids only have a little bit more combat experience than Axe, they do have more combat experience than him. So maybe Axe shouldn't be uh, dunking on them for this. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's just how it works. When you grow up living for the glory of the great British Empire, you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that uh, metaphor's I, not going to go away. The Andalites are Space England. Um, <laughs> I feel like the Andalites have a little bit more... A little bit too much respect for nature to be Space England. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. They can be Space Scotland. But, any, yeah. Either way, they, they decide that they have to do this because if Axe can get back to the homeworld, then everybody will... Hopefully, the Andalites will get here sooner. So... He doesn't super know if they'll trust him on account of he is a child, but since he's Elfangor's brother, he's hoping that maybe that'll give him the sway to... Yeah, it's it's not great. So we end the chapter with them taking a boat. <laughs> Alright, which uh, leads us into a really shitty, terrible plan, because these kids are dummies still. <laughs> but uh, that leads us to chapter 4, which I have called uh, Radio Shacks. Because Radio Shack and X. Yeah. you this I did. I did. I did. S H. Like hyphen A X. Also, I'm pretty sure Shax is like uh, like one of the dudes in Destiny who keeps talking about like keeping your like fierce or something. Uh, I just imagine Shaquille O'Neal like more. Than uh, more than yeah. <laughs> like several uh, Shaquille O'Neals. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and in any case, uh, this has Jake, Marco, and Axe enact their plan on that Saturday. They basically give a full rundown of events, which is that Axe basically takes three minutes to morph. They'll wait ten minutes for, to get to the bus. They get to the mall in 35 minutes, so that's a really long bus ride to get to the mall. They have 30 minutes at the mall to buy what they need to get uh, that they need at the Radio Shack, and then they get back overall with 10 minutes to spare. Absolutely nothing can possibly go wrong with this plan when they're only giving themselves 10 minutes of wiggle room. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> Rachel offers to come with them, but Marco doesn't want everyone to be caught if slash when Chick goes tits up. <laughs> Again, tempting fate. <laughs> to at buy least he's got his head on a swivel for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's to, it's Marco, to be fair. Marco knows their plans always go to hell. <laughs> he, he's at least cognizant enough to know, like, yeah, shit's gonna go bad. At least we can try to plan around shit going bad, maybe, by not having y'all get caught. 
Tobias then reports in that the bus is on schedule, so acts morse while still being confused about clothing, and apparently hasn't practiced walking on two legs or speaking with a mouth between books, as printed earlier, because he's still doing like the whole like sounding out words a lot, and almost falls over when his first two legs disappear. Uh, Marco sounds pretty insensitive when he tells Axe to stop playing around with words, because, uh, look, don't don't act like that. that's like a problem for him. It's a brand new thing. He's not used to it. <laughs> and the others just worry about people at the mall finding Axe weird. But overall, to make it a long story short, they get to the mall on time, and Jake again tempts fate by saying, so far, so good. So, of course, shit's gonna go bad. Mm-hmm. And Marco yeah. lampshades that and says, you know, every time they say that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that, that's like kind of the shortest of these. Actually, that and Chapter 6 are pretty short descriptors I have. Chapter 5 is a big one. If um, I'm honest, I kind of can't believe that they got Axe on the bus to the mall without any problems. <laughs> well, they'd say that the mall, that the bus itself was, like, pretty empty. So, like, even though he was standing, sitting there, like, practicing mouth sounds the, and stuff, there was the, literally nobody there. <laughs> the degree to which that would be weird uh, also depends on the city that you're in. I guess that's yeah. If, if, if you were in, like, I don't know, uh, if you were in Dallas and someone was doing that, that'd be weird. If you were in Galveston or New York and someone was doing that, it'd be like, yeah. okay, it's just a, a, a lunatic, but, like, hey, you know, it's yeah, just, like it's it, just it, another It's either somebody just Saturday. being weird or it's somebody with, like, a like a speech impediment or like a learning disability or something it's like yeah mm-hmm. whatever but i yeah. mean yeah also yeah. just pe- pe- like depending on what city you're in uh, people pay different amounts of mind to that kind of thing yeah <laughs> basically yeah it depends on like you know major cities people are more exposed to just every- everyone from all walks of life so they don't really mind it as much you could walk down the street of new york in like a chicken suit and <laughs> You would not oh, yeah, get no, any attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just people would still just like, okay, just another weird fucking thing. Yeah, it's another person trying to charge like ten dollars for a photo of Spider, take a picture of Spider Man, <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. In any case, chapter five is a pretty meaty one, uh, which I have called "Axe doesn't support unions" <laughs> for reasons that will pretty much be explained. Uh, yeah, basically, Jake and Marco forget where Radio Shack is in the mall, and while distracted, they just immediately lose Axe. It's just, they get to the mall within, <laughs> within like, five seconds, they've already fucked up. <laughs> I love that the options they have for uh, electronic stores in the mall are Radio Shack and Circuit City, two yeah. brands which are now both entirely gone. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a, there's a lot of, like, wow, the 90s in this chapter in particular. <laughs> Well, that's not Animals. true. They are both back, but they're back as NFT platforms. Animals oh, fun. I didn't realize that. They will, they will just straight up drop, like, a lot of other, other like, properties would, like, Radio House or mm-hmm. uh, Coffee Bucks or something, like, weird and, and like, generic. Yeah. Animorphs don't give a shit. Animorphs will just drop brand yeah, names it's, left it's, and it's, right. That's something I notice a lot because it's like even like with the episodes of uh, Infinity Train that we watched, well at least that I watched recently when we were planning on mm-hmm. recording on Thursday but I was feeling a little on the web or something yeah. and it's like, there's like a it's like a hog it's like a Hagen-Dazs but it's called Dagenhaus or yeah. something. Dagenhaus, yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like we, it's get, like... we get in and like just the first part of chapter five, we get the limited Radio Shack, Circuits, Circuit City, Sears. Well, yeah, that's Starbucks. interesting. I wonder so a little bit if there's a copyright law thing there. 
because in the mm -hmm. reprints, I, I don't usually cover changes from the reprint because most of the time they're not that interesting. But in the reprints, the all of those things you just mentioned are gone. The the yeah. limited is good-looking girls carrying bags from quote clothing stores. Uh, Circuit City is replaced by the computer place. Starbucks is <laughs> the coffee place. That's uh, like. Oh, okay. They... I was thinking that you meant the store itself was actually called Computer Place, like capital C, <laughs> capital P, not just that it was just the uh, computer, uh, some sort of computer place. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to the just... store called the Computer Place. <laughs> no, they just genericized all of it for the reprint, and I don't know if there's yeah, a... that, that's there, a legal there reason must... or. Yeah, there must be some weird like thing that changed in the last twenty years in terms of like being well, able to actually use trademark stuff. But they I'm kept Spider-Man. I don't. <laughs> I'm glad we still have the older versions then, because I yeah, because like it's, that... it's it's always so weird, but also entertaining to see them like say real names of the, places and stuff like the that. The fact that Animorphs does this, and it's it's a really weird reason. The fact that Animorphs does this to me makes it is part of what makes it feel like Animorphs. But they're not like, they're like like the fucking the fucking uh, McDonald's thing that happens in a later book. The, the, the McDonald's. Password oh boy, I we'll, can't we'll wait to later. know what that is. Uh, uh, you remember the Rainforest Cafe book? Uh, <laughs> what the what the fuck goes on yeah. in this series? <laughs> like they, what did they I are... stuck myself up for? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's shit shit like that and shit like this is is. It's part of what makes Animorphs feel like Animorphs to me. I don't, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's just an important part of the recipe. And getting rid of that blunts it somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> also, is this the same mall that they were just at two books ago where Marco destroyed some of the glass ceiling to get the bias out? <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't I feel get like confirmation be, right? on that, but I don't know, because it's LA, right? So there's like a bunch of big malls in LA. They only ever refer to the mall as the mall in these books, yeah. so I feel like it is just the one they go that they were even at in like the start of the first book when they were just like hanging out at the arcade or whatever. I'm, I don't know. Like it's possible, but it would yeah, make I... sense to me for this to be the same one because they are kids and their transportation options yeah. are limited. True. But also, there's a ton of malls in LA. So. Yeah, I could also see it be a different one, just because, like, Margo's like, we can't go back to that one, because uh, technically, I vandalized the property there. <laughs> You're welcome, Tobias. <laughs> we can't go back there now. <laughs> or at least I can't. Uh, yeah, wow. In, in any case, basically, uh, they eventually find Axe just on an escalator, but have to be sure not to run to attract the attention of mall cops, because not only... Is it to avoid losing time by getting abscounded by them? But also because they're like, yeah, some of those guys are bound to be controllers. So we don't want to <laughs> draw attention to us in action. They eventually catch up to him at a Starbucks, which is why he's at access in Fort Unions. And hear him repeat another customer's order because he manages to meddle his way into a coffee order, apparently. <laughs> I, it's it's very amusing that he's like able to actually like say this, but the person still understands him, even though he's kind of butchering stuff. But man, this coffee order is just two dollars and ninety-five cents, huh? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get into a debate about praxis, mm -hmm. but I will say that it's the fucking nineties. There's no goddamn hope that Starbucks is going to unionize in the nineties. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're still trying their fucking damnness to stop people from unionizing now. Yeah, <laughs> almost. I would, I would later. say boycott, boycott any Starbucks where the where the the employees have proposed unionization but starbucks has shut them down yeah yeah Un until until 
until they actually like start demanding unionization then mm -hmm. boycotting that particular starbucks can only just yeah make, i mean so to, to be fair starbucks is also fucking expensive that's true <laughs> like, yeah it's like eight dollars for a... there's yeah, it's like coffee it's, it's eight, there, it's eight dollars for a coffee. coffee just use that eight dollars and just buy yeah. coffee grounds and just make your own coffee <laughs> or make your own coffee or go to like any literally any other coffee uh, coffee place yeah like, literally yeah. literally any like locally owned not yeah. chain coffee place <laughs> yeah go, go to i was about to say a mom and pop store store for coffee but yeah. i guess that's you know i guess there might be some of them that are like there's a like, place yeah there's like yeah. a place not too far from me it's called the human bean hey. uh that's a good pun <laughs> Also, yeah. she doesn't ask what size he wants, so this order is incomplete and she can't join. <laughs> uh, that's also true. Oh, well. Well, I mean, you know, just, I guess just assuming, well, another person ordered the same thing, so we'll go with that size, I guess. <laughs> Still, like, less than sub $3 for coffee is just insane. <laughs> In any case, uh, Jake pays for it while Marco basically gives him a talking about going off on his own, then accuses Jake of having pissed off the gods themselves for saying so far so good, so at least Marco's uh genre savvy in that regard x takes his coffee and has to be taught how to drink from a cup but, and he's just absolutely fascinated with cup technology since again and lights eat and drink with their buttholes so uh <laughs> this is just reinforcing what i believe they don't actually know what taste is and they don't have cup technology as a result because not needing it because they just eat through I, their butt i will neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that andalites drink through their butts this is, this because... is not going to help the situation at all because i'm just gonna keep I just think it's, that i just think it's funny that you think that so i'm this, gonna let you think that for a while this is, this is my head cannon i'm not i'm this this chapter in particular is just reinforcing that <laughs> Yeah. That's well, said, any... like, Jake does not even think twice about allowing X to drink his coffee, so not only is he going to be a weird human, he's going to be caffeinated. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's also not, he's he's never experienced caffeine before. Nope. Yeah. Like, people that, people that like can... us, people like us, you know, uh, 30-something Americans, we are already desensitized to the caffeine, but the fact is that our society demands that we drug ourselves with a stimulant every day. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we're, we're, like, not, I think we forget what coffee, what, what coffee really is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, literally, when I got up, I was like, alright, time to go make coffee for the podcast and stuff, because yep. I just woke up. <laughs> it's just a habit. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be yeah. fair, also part of it is just I like the taste of it now at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. In any case, he drinks and gets excited about tasting something for the first time. Again, just more evidence for the butthole eating, because there's no taste buds there. In the end, they go to Radio Shack, and Axe immediately knows what he needs by sight alone, even though he has various different words for the tech and is a teenager. Still impressive, at least. My, fa my favorite word is, this seems to be some kind of primitive fleer. <laughs> some sort yeah, it's, of it's, fleer. A, it's a lot of just, like, the most nonsense Gear. words. That it's like, this a like, like basically, it's it, it's like it's even more absurd than like when he was describing like the trees and like what it's like when this guy meets the ground or whatever in the dome. Last book, yeah, it's just I, like and just being like, this is a flubble or whatever. It's this, like, okay, like, it, it, it reminds me of of the nonsense words on Rick and Morty. The, like, <laughs> flea, <laughs> like, like it. it like, it's, a, it's just, I guess I'm also thinking of it in terms of, like, it's like when uh, Doc says 1.21 gigawatts, and Marty's like, the hell is a gigawatt? <laughs> Not a real thing. <laughs> just signs mumbo-jumbo to explain time travel. <laughs> in any case, uh, he is annoyed that the humanity hasn't designed Z-Space transponders yet, and he explained that Z-Space 
is what is the, in his words, the non-dimension where faster-than-life travel occurs. Mm -hmm. Anti-reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's again, more made-up science, Mobutubo stuff. But Jake just has them pay for what they have, and they'll worry about alien tech later. Z-Space <laughs> will be very important later, like, as a concept. So, oh. that's not going away. Fun. Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned this before, but Andalite travel basically is Warhammer travel. They dip in and out yeah. of the warp to achieve faster than light. Z-Space is the warp. Okay. It just doesn't have any demons in it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... It's actually, actually, we get to see what Z-Space is like later, and it's weird and trippy, <laughs> and I love it. I'm just imagining, like, the uh, the goof that somebody made of, like, uh, Miles Morales falling into the, the, the queer dimension or whatever, because it was, like, somebody made, like, an amalgamation of, like, all the flags and stuff like that, and <laughs> then they edited that of, like, part of the trailer for uh, Across the Spider-Verse of him falling into the dimension, where it's just all those colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh uh, in any case, X finishes his coffee and says he wants more taste and can smell things, thereby deducing the two are related. And then he just eats his coffee cup at the clerk because Marco says he doesn't have to hang on to it. So <laughs> take it, Marco. He, he, he says he said specifically throw it away, which is a very uh, yeah, bad, like a yeah. very poor choice of words. Like yeah, like you should assume at all times that X is going to take this literally because he's X. He's he's yeah. he's interacted with humans all of like twice so far, and he's just English kids. somehow. But does not is not aware of like figurative language. Yeah. So. <laughs> While that is true, it's also been ten minutes since he got this coffee. He just chugged that thing. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that too. It's like it takes me like like you know when I have like my travel mug at work, it takes me like an mm. hour plus to drink my coffee when it's in and like you a. Can't... And you can't drink it right away because no, it's too hot. It's hot. Yeah. Maybe maybe Axe doesn't realize he's just fucked up his taste buds for a bit. <laughs> I guess this I mean to be like fair, pain. they'll heal they'll heal in like ten minutes when he unmorphs, but still. Yeah. This tastes like pain. <laughs> what is the sensation? Oh pain. Oh no. Uh yeah, in any case. Jake and Marco make a base use for him by saying he gets out of control spasms to just, like, explain away the situation, but the clerk doesn't really mind since Axe left anyway to go and steal a bunch of leftovers from the food court because he's looking for the smell of a Cinnabon that he noticed. It, he's just drawing a crowd entirely because of this maniac kid just running around stealing yeah. leftover food at tables. And he's gone. Well, yeah, bad. yeah. This, like it does say leftover food, but also he's just running around from table to table, grabbing food and eating it. Like that's not leftovers. Yeah, no, that is how I envision it. Like there are people at the tables that he's just <laughs> running up to, grabbing their food tray and just throwing it in his mouth. Because at like, a mall food court, when you're done with your food, you you put it in the trash. Like yeah. there there aren't servers like bu bus uh, bus people to go around and like yeah, there aren't <laughs> pick pick stuff up and throw it away. You, that's your job. So basically, he's just like, he's just taking food off of people's mm -hmm. plates. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which makes sense, that's because he immediately attracts the attention of the mall cops, uh, who chase after him. And because even alien teens have bad ideas, Axe begins to unmorph mid-chase. Mm. Which, in oh my, I know this is supposed to be a kind of tense scene, but in my head, I'm playing... Um, God, what is it? Yakety sack. Yakety sack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that 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 starts playing at that starts playing as the scene transitions to him grabbing people's food off of their plates, and yeah. then just escalates as the cops chase after him. <laughs> yes. I just like. 
remember when you could throw stuff at the cops, specifically at their faces, and it wouldn't be a big deal? Like, yeah, they wouldn't really <laughs> shoot yeah. you in the face in retaliation. <laughs> yeah. In any case, yeah, the 90s. Uh, chapter 6, which I have called, How Do They Still Not Know There Are Human Kids Who Can Morph? <laughs> Jesus on the Christ. one hand, the cop- cops weren't as murderous. On the other hand, we had friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, this continues to chase as Zax becomes more and more not a human teenager, till eventually everyone in the mall is freaking the fuck out as the stale emerges. The cops try and usher Jake and Marco away, cause they, they I mean, they've been running alongside the cops, but they haven't really noticed them much in, in, until this point. Cause it turns out they're controllers since they recognize what Axe is, since they sort of say the word and the like. So the kids just all flee just through the parking lot after Axe does the morally correct thing of slicing a cop's hand open with his tail because this mall cop pulls out a fucking actual gun. I don't think Not mall cops off. are alleged. Just what? Like, no, I, just, I said slicing. Yeah. I said slices a cop's hand open. I didn't say off. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I just yeah. wanted to point out that he did not cut it off, which yeah. uh, he should because <laughs> he's that. I don't know. And also, this. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I mean. Being as generous as possible, this cop is being jerked. It's not like he's like in full control of his actions. Although, again, cops, mm. cops well, are different cop, than cops. In so, like, yeah. it to be fair, cops are never really in control of their actions. I mean, huh. yeah, they not they really, they, they immediately completely. resort to violence whenever they feel threatened, which is basically all no, the time because that's I just how they're mean, trained. You know, they're they're tools of an authoritarian state structure. Yep. So even even the good cops, they're like the quote unquote good cops. They're just yeah, like, d- don't really exist. Well, I should say, well-meaning cops are still <laughs> not entirely in control of their actions. Yeah, I mean, they're they're like we have actual confirmation that they are trained to just assume the world is out to get them, and that's why they mm-hmm. always just escalate the violence immediately because they assume everybody's going to do the same. <laughs> I did a cop training program through my Boy Scouts once. Oh no! <laughs> I'm so and, glad I didn't stick with Scouts long enough for something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one of our Scoutmasters was a police officer, so he brought oh, in fun. this primitive VR thing, where like <laughs> they hand you a gun that's got all the, the the actual firing pins replaced, and it has a laser thing instead. And they play like a video, a first-person video of you as a police officer up on the big screen, and uh, you as the cop mm. are supposed to determine when in the situation you have to pull and fire. And, so, like uh, in the, uh, the yeah. scene, it, the it, scene it, from it, Men it, in Black, where I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I played like oh, which console was my uncle had like this really old like it was like one of those light gun console games. Which is like it was like you know usually designed around like like shooting like beer bottles at like a barn or whatever. But I think there was one of like here's like the actual like bad guys with guns and here's civilians don't shoot civilians kind of thing to test you on well, your score or something like that. Not even like that. It's it's more of like a video of a real life scenario. Like oh, in gotcha. the one I quote unquote played, my cop was just walking down the hall and then heard something in a room off to the side. Uh, went in there and there were like three guys hassling this person. Hmm. And uh, apparently the key for the cop to draw the weapon is one of the guys saying, hey, buddy, as he turns to look at the cop. Oh, so, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's a way worse version than what I'm thinking of. Is like, a, there was like a mini game in the Gunstringer, if anybody remembers that connect game. Oh, no, game. listen, this is all live action. This is actual actor's video. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, th- th- this mode in the Gunstringer was that, too. It's like, it's the most, like, stupid, absurd, like... Like, uh, 
like sheriff sheriff thing where it just keeps escalating to like a lady just pulling out like two giant revolvers that are clearly just toys and at some point the fucking delorean from back to the future shows up and it's uh-huh. like what the fuck is i think it was the dlc for that game actually is what i'm thinking of it was, it was, like, just, I... it was just ridiculous back when twisted pistol made good games i generally don't have ill will toward people even like cops but by that i mean the people you mm-hmm. know who are in the uniforms the system is fucked yeah the that's system my, is the system experience. is what leads um, them to resort to violence all the time yeah and yeah you know that they're in the system it's like you mm-hmm. know you're in the matrix you're in the matrix you can get taken over by an agent at any time you mm-hmm. know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> This says yeah, if a vaguely Italian guy looking at you and saying, hey, buddy, yeah. is grounds to draw your weapon, that's an issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Anyway, case, before we get like, back into the book proper, I just want to point out that X has been running through the mall through all of this while also demorphing. Which yeah. is to say that he is sprinting through the mall while his front legs grow out of his torso. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. he's a like a shifting mass a mass of tan and blue flesh that yeah. is just by all by all accounts terrifying. His clothing is probably tearing. Oh, certainly. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's more, these kids have lost so many pieces of our, of clothing yeah. <laughs> just the last his, month. His human legs shift back to become his andalite back legs, so he's basically just mm-hmm. growing a deer out of his torso while he's running. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, like normal deer stuff, like Alan Dracula. Alan Dracula yeah, could yeah. do that, I'm sure. <laughs> the fact that he can, can continue to the fact that he can continue to run while that happens is goddamn impressive. Especially yeah, yeah, since he couldn't consider- walk two chapters ago. Yeah, I was about to break. Yeah, I was about to say that. Considering that he almost fell over the moment he morphed and lost two of his legs, the fact that he can run while uh, going from two to four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in any case, this this descriptor I have isn't too long. Let's just get through it. Uh, basically. Da, da, da. Where was I left off? Yeah, they hear sirens in the distance from actual cops who are having a mall cop, so they run into a nearby grocery store with the cops pulling up outside. Axe terrifies everyone inside the store, obviously, and Marco makes the situation kind of worse by claiming there's a bomb in the store to get everyone to leave. But it turns out his plan was basically to create an opening for them to grab some lobsters from the nearby tank to stay hidden in plain sight as the customers clog up the doorway to slow down the cops from getting in to chase after them and just gun them down. They stuff their clothes and the radio shack bag in a trash can, climb inside the tank, and morph. They have to actually, like, let Axe start morphing first so they can pick him up, dump him into the tank. Because he's a big deer, he can't fit in that normally. And then we get the res- the uh, requisite, hey, morphing is kind of fucked up description of becoming a little lobster friend. That, yeah. That's that entire chapter. Yeah. It's really it's really just, we go to the grocery store and turn they, into lobsters. This is this is the first time that they've, they've morphed an arthropod. Mm-hmm. At least Marco has morphed an arthropod. Jake morphed a flea off screen. Yeah. Um, the it's it's fucked. It's like like for the first thing like the first thing that happens is that his bones dissolve. Yeah, so. yeah. That descriptor of like I felt my bones disappearing. It's like oh, <laughs> no yeah. thanks. Um. So chapter seven, I've called shell game. <laughs> I wait before um, we get into that. I'd just like to point out the cops here knew that there's an andalite. They go into the grocery store to look for them. They don't find them, obviously, but they you would think that they—you would think that they would immediately like, go, "Hey, there are animals in here because there are lobsters. lobsters. Let's fucking yeah. kill all of them to be thorough." They yeah, did this, exactly. They did that with the birds back in the Tobias book. Yeah. 
Why well, would they not do one, that here? <laughs> that, that's the thing is there's one Yurk here at least. Not I assume not all of the Malkops are 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 controllers. True. Yeah, I guess. Only one of them seems to recognize the Andalite. So maybe that that those other Malkops just think it'd be weird to <laughs> To just to just be like, well, we gotta kill these lobsters to be safe. <laughs> why? Why do you? Why do you want to kill the lobsters, Brad? Because <laughs> I don't because know, that fucking like a... alien monster was pretending to be a human. Who's to say it can't become a lobster? There you go, justification. Gun down the lobsters. Be safe. <laughs> I don't know. But the I... other thing is like. With that book three thing you're talking about, they weren't specifically killing animals, right? They weren't going out and hunting. They just, whenever they, they happened to see one, nearby. they opened yeah, the fire. But, yeah. but well, they were still doing the sensible thing of, like, there's a bird. We don't know if that's the same bird, but let's kill it to be sure. If they went in and searched the grocery store, you'd think they'd find the lobsters. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Anyway. Again, they know there's an endolite. They know that they can morph. You see animals, you get, kill the animals to be sure. I know that that's a cruel thing to say, but at the same time, it's a sensible thing. Yurks are cruel. Yeah, yurks um, are assholes. They would absolutely... I mean, well, I mean, I'm saying they would absolutely, turns out no, but they should absolutely kill every animal they see whenever they know there's an Andalite nearby. Yeah. Um. Okay, chapter 7, Shell Game. So, we get a sort of I-have-no-mouth-but-I-must-scream moment mm-hmm. as uh, Marco no longer has a mouth or throat or vocal cords capable of making sounds, but and therefore is unable to express vocally the horror of his situation. Um, he's a lobster at this point, and the lobster instincts kick in, and they're very simple. There are two thoughts, kill and eat. Uh, so at this point, they start communicating, and... Um, Jake and Axe are both there. They are, you know, fully lobster at this point. Um, not really pleasant. Jake communicates this. Not his favorite morph. Axe is just kind of marveling at the, uh, the instincts pincers. of the animal. Yeah, he, um, he's like clacking the pincers, being like, ah, weapons. Yeah. Ah, yes, these pincers are excellent. Uh, <laughs> this, this, will, this will serve me well in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Clack, clack. Um, so they're, they're in there with, like, actual real lobsters uh, that are rubber banded they're not rubber banded uh yeah it's funny that's... that they have to point out like i guess uh, i guess band-aids aren't part of the dna huh <laughs> their their senses are weird they can't really see much and marco talks about being able to like see colors that he had no conception of which has <laughs> to be an interesting experience like just seeing colors that you don't like sort of a color out of space type of thing you know like you can't you cannot you cannot it's impossible to picture that um i've heard of some people who have been like on uh psilocybin or some kind of hallucinogen who've been who've seen colors that normally don't exist um i mean it's just kind of a passing reference but what's interesting to me is that marco says Mm -hmm. that what he sees uses none of the colors he knows so it's not like he can see extra colors it's that they're completely different from what he understands. I feel like that's probably the case for everyone uh, in insofar as like you probably don't see the same colors I do. Well, yeah. Uh, the the they actually did a study that showed that the 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 neural their neuron like connection patterns that people use to encode colors in their brains are random and they're different for everyone. 
So, like, the code that your brain uses for red is different from the code that my brain uses for red. Yeah. Uh, so your red is probably different from mine, probably incomprehensible to me. <laughs> um, and I, we have no way of saying that. Um, this is like the Wick Wittgenstein's beetle in a box type thing. It, it's, <laughs> it's impossible. Um, but that's, that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, I guess your... I just, because, like, we, we've had lots okay. of people morphing into lots of things so far, right? And yeah. nobody has mentioned this yet. And here it's just such a passing reference that, oh, yeah, just, no, the entire world is, like, an entirely different color spectrum, but let's just keep going, huh? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think lobsters can see ultraviolet light, I think. I don't know. I know that they'll morph stuff later that can, and then they'll mention, like, it's a color that you can't imagine. I know that, um, like, mantis shrimp can see 16 different colors, <laughs> which is more than humans can. Uh, so, yeah. Um, anyway. Well, they should, one of them should morph a mantis shrimp at some point, in, or the pistol shrimp in particular, mm -hmm. and just fucking use that to iso yurk. <laughs> uh, That'd be fun. You, like, a like a yurk outside of a person? Eh, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> like, I feel like, a, I feel like, a, okay, in a fight between a yurk and a pistol shrimp, pistol oh, shrimp I mean, wins. Yeah. If yeah, yeah. the yurk is not pistol... in a, is not in a host. Yeah, pistol shrimp is too small for a yurk to get into, the yurk is just fucked. <laughs> Yeah, and the pistol shrimp could could murder the yurk easily. Uh, so they they're in there for a bit, and they actually end up like apparently the the customers and employees have come back in after the place has been cleared because they get rubber banded. Um, like someone puts rubber bands on their on their claws. Uh, I, I do like before that, um, Marco specifically mentions that he does not have rubber bands because, quote, rubber bands were not a part of the lobster DNA. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, so Marco gets picked up out of the water. Uh, there's a sudden shock as suddenly he's dry. There's pressure on his shell uh, and he gets rubber banded. Pretty soon, uh, they, they can't demorph, obviously, because there's people in here, which, like, you didn't really think that far ahead, I guess. <laughs> to be uh, fair, to be fair, what were the odds that somebody was going to go and grab the lobsters mm -hmm. in the middle of an alien and a bomb threat in this grocery store, and that they would also conveniently mm -hmm. grab the three who were also not lobsters in actuality? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the problem, like Jake, could have morphed lizard and then yeah. like gone somewhere quiet. Marco, yeah. I'm pretty sure, has some kind of small morph he could use. I don't, I mean, we haven't seen any. Like, the only two morphs we've had, like, seen them actually do so far are the gorilla, the wolf, and the fish. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I like, guess I mean, he could be a fish, but that would be way he's, more he's, suspicious. He can also be an osprey, but uh, yeah, true, an yeah, osprey true. might he, be obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, the, th the four options he had that we know of are just like, well, none of these really work, because, like, obviously the fish mm -hmm. isn't going to be in, like, a nice old tank that's out of place. If Jake, if Jake had morphed Lizard, then he would have been able to keep an eye on them. As, as, yeah, as yeah, of right true. now, they yeah. basically have no agency whatsoever. Their senses are basically trapped. Yeah, and, like, I and... guess we have to assume that uh, anything that Axe would be able to transform into is either a shark or an Andalite, like, alien creature that would be yeah. also way out of place. Axe could just morph a different human. Yeah. He could. 
He could, yeah, he could. A- Axe do- Ax could just morph one of the kids. Like, that's all he would yeah, need he, to do. Yeah, yeah, he could do whatever other. I mean, he could still be an amalgam of all four, but just choose different appearance. Because it's like he, yeah. like, chose, like, basically, like, you know, as close to, like, an mm. amalgam of all four, but, like, there's presumably different permutations of the four he could do. Presumably, yeah, or just, like, uh, do two instead of all four. You know, uh, yeah, um, I, I mean, I guess he, he could choose, like, Rachel and Cassie rather than Jake and Marco, because mm-hmm. Jake and Marco, if you just did both yeah. of them, it's like, well, they know they're looking for kids that look like Jake and Marco. Here's <laughs> yeah. a kid that looks like both of them fused together. <laughs> this is yeah. sus. Uh, so... But also, he wouldn't they, have... To be fair, he would not have clothes. <laughs> they get picked up um, after a bit, and they get put on something cold. Um, so... They're obviously on ice. Someone has obviously purchased them. Yeah. Uh, but again, ignoring they don't really the on- realize this because Marco says maybe the cops have us, maybe the controllers have us. I don't know. Well, geez, Marco, you became lobsters that are for sale. So maybe the thing that happens to lobsters that are for sale happened to you. Well, yeah. Which uh, again, still brings up the, the situation <laughs> that's in the middle of mm-hmm. an alien and a bomb threat at this grocery store. Somebody is still here ignoring both of those situations because they're like, I gotta have my fucking lobsters and <laughs> buys them. Cause well, like, no, I don't, th- I don't think there were like automated checkouts at that point. No, it's, 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 it's been enough time that, that they've cleared the building and people have gone back inside. Has it? Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the impression. Yeah. Cause the store was completely empty earlier and now it's not. So hmm. I guess I just thought they... there wasn't that much time that had passed the video that actually has the situation cleared because it's like that would usually be like hours before they're like yeah we are sure that these people are not here anymore i don't know this also is I, I guess i guess so. I, yeah true I, I guess i would also just expect that this place would just be shut down the rest of the day because it's like yeah some shit has happened here now now yeah y- yeah nowadays yeah yeah nowadays yes um, back then no <laughs> Anyway, so, to your earlier point, Marco absolutely does not know how lobsters are packaged. He does his grocery shopping at Seven Eleven. Also That's true. true. Yeah. Um. So his, his dad has been out of work Axe, for a long time. They really don't have the money for a lobster because lobster is fucking expensive. Axe is keeping track of time, which is a factor here because they definitely don't want to get trapped as lobsters. Uh, they get put on ice, and this causes them to go into torpor because they're cold-blooded animals. Um. So after a while, like. Marco kind of zones out, and then you hear, like, Axe's drowsy voice saying, we only have seven minutes left. And at that point, they they decide they're going to demorph. Uh, you know, no no matter what, or, like, who is out there, um, they're going to go ahead and demorph and take their chances. So, Marco starts to do that, and starts to regain his senses. Um, and... He feels pressure on his shell as pincers come free of the rubber bands, which have been removed. Uh, and he feels warmth billowing up around him, which is steam. Turns out, chapter 8, which I've called, uh, How to Put Someone Off Shellfish Forever in One Easy Step. <laughs> um, the, the boy will be cooked. <laughs> Mar- Marco is is being dropped into a pot of boiling water because, uh, yes, wait, they have been... Dang it. Huh? Another good chapter option, Jake, we have to cook. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's screaming in his head uh, as he's being dropped into a pot of boiling water. And I have to assume 
that he's not like just directing this like scream of no <laughs> psychic scream at Axe and uh and Jake. I would assume that the, yeah. the poor unfortunate woman who is currently trying to cook him also hears this in her head as this lobster starts to shape shift into a person. The first thing that happens is that a mouth appears. <laughs> yeah, the worst, like, no... both the worst and the best first part to emerge. Yeah. There's no sound because, um, Marco, because Marco doesn't have vocal cords yet, uh, but that apparently isn't necessary because he's dropped. The, the, the person holding him drops her, drops him. What? And... Why not just huh? her, why not just pinch her with the pincers and just scuttle away somewhere? <laughs> well, I don't think that he's like. It's, I apparently, mean, be, an, to... in Animorphs, lobsters have terrible eyes. So yeah, but he knows he's like being in real held life, they and have better senses than he this, knows he's but... being held and it's about to be put in like a pod. He could probably assume somebody's holding me. If I just try to pinch at you, the sides, I would get their hands. If you hold lobsters, if you hold lobsters in the right way, they can't pinch you. Same uh... with crabs. Uh, they they don't have the range of motion to reach behind them. Rip. Um, they're basically just kind of stuck, like to the sides and out in front of themselves. Yeah, I, I guess um, that makes sense of why, like, when they're first put in the tank before that, they're like rubber bandits. Yeah. This way, when you go to reason for them, they can't do shit. <laughs> also, um, so fun fact, and this is just something about lobster mouths and crustacean mouths in general, is that they don't like ha they they do have mouths, but they're just kind of holes. And instead of having lips or anything around them, they just have a bunch of little, bunch of little legs, bunch of little leg-like things. I, That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> Obviously, you can't see it, but I was literally doing the like, uh, like what I always think of, like how uh, Adam Savage mm -hmm. described Jamie Hindman talking of like the little like yeah, mustache in yeah. front of the face. I was doing that, but like, going, like, yeah. like wiggling my fingers. The, it's a uh, Zoidberg. <laughs> really our arthropod doing. evolution is fascinating, and I don't have time to get into it. But, um, uh, it's basically they just have a bunch of little legs around around an open face hole uh, <laughs> that they just shove stuff into with those little legs. So Let's put it in the mouth hole, num, num. but but no longer because Marco now has lips. So imagine that you're putting a lobster into a pot of water and suddenly it grows lips, uh, and, <laughs> and, luckily, and screams. <laughs> luckily, out of sheer luck, which is mostly going to be on their side throughout these books, uh, Marco manages to hang on to the edge of the pan, tail curled up, inches above a pot, inches above the boiling water in the pot grows rapidly, becoming a baby-sized creature, half covered with hard cuticle, half flesh, human eyes grew in the place of useless stock eyes. Uh, so it's essentially this horror show. Uh, and pretty soon, he gets his sense of hearing back. And the first thing he hears is the hysterical screaming of the woman. Yeah, I wonder why. Who's currently watching the lobster she was going to eat. Turn turned into a boy. It's a boy. Cronenbergian <laughs> into a human boy. Um, uh, so uh, once his legs grow back, he stands up. He, he looks at the woman. He describes her as sort of pretty, which like great, great thing. First thing to mention about the woman's appearance, Marco, is how good she looks. Except for the <laughs> fact that she is eyes wide in terror, screaming her 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 heart out. Um, and he looks over at the bag of ice, and there are regular lobsters there, but there's also Jake, mostly human, and Axe, who is uh, a monstrosity. 
this uh the, the fact that they are mostly back to normal does not make the woman feel any better and she is nah. still screaming marco's trying to calm her down uh, we get this really funny scene where he's like, okay, no, this is just a dream. And then the woman is like, just so ready to believe this. <laughs> She's like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, this just a dream. Is, this is the only <laughs> thing that potentially can make sense of this matter to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he says, I wouldn't tell anyone about, uh, Jake, Jake is like, You're, we're going to leave now. You can wake up later, okay? I wouldn't tell anyone about this dream. And she just shakes her head violently. Like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, folks who just think you were crazy if you told anyone, she nods with extreme conviction. I feel like she's not going to tell anyone about this, except maybe in therapy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I had this weird dream where some lobsters I bought for dinner turned into two teenage boys and a giant monster deer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they head out what the door. What does that say about me? <laughs> and just before they do, or just before they leave the house... Uh, Marco looks back and sees the three lobsters that are left still in their bag of ice and then says, hey, uh, do us a favor, would you please take those guys down to the beach and let them go, okay? <laughs> uh, and I just want to point out, um, I'm not sure if... <laughs> okay, there, 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 there are lobsters in the Pacific Ocean, so they're from different <laughs> species from the ones in the, Atlant uh, in the Atlantic, but... Uh, yeah, they they are there. Okay. Um, well, that's all right. Then. So, hopefully, assuming these are local lobsters, they probably would be. Uh, <laughs> I I would I would assume that they would not be invasive. Uh, I just want to yeah. say they are extremely lucky through this whole thing, just on the sheer fact of this was a dinner for six people, and this woman was screaming her mind out, and the rest of the six yeah. people are apparently not here. Yes. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Maybe um, maybe it's like they're coming over for dinner later, like but mm -hmm. like there's nobody else aside. <laughs> yeah. Well these these lobsters that I, I I would say, you know, if I were cooking lobsters and a few of them just kinda turned in two of them turned into people and one of them turned into an alien, <laughs> I probably wouldn't eat the other lobsters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um it's like, it's like, well, at this point, it's like, I can never be sure about any lobster ever. <laughs> so then we go into chapter nine, um, which I have called The Kids Plan Another Home Invasion. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they really do. They, apparently that lady was not the only one who was traumatized because Marco has a dream that night. We don't hear about the dream. Like, sorry, we, don't, we don't hear that it's a dream until later. Um, it just starts out in media res. It starts with Jake and Marco playing video games at the mall. Marco's winning because even in his dreams, Marco is great. Uh, Marco thinks he's great. Even I, in I my dreams, say, I'm pretty he's great. fucking cool, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's distracted, but Jake is distracted because he's eating something. He's eating a bug, a big red bug with huge pincers. And then uh, Marco's nervous about this says it would upset his stomach, which apparently it does, because giant legs explode outward. Quote, guts flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, something in him is, is trying to crawl out. Um, he tries to get away, but the steam is rising. I was burning up, so that's a kind of dream logic, where suddenly there's steam. Um, he tries to run, but his legs are gone, replaced with a tail that just jerks and kicks, and then he screams and wakes up, and his dad is there. Um... And he calls for his mom, 
who obviously isn't there. And there's a moment of sort of tense silence, and his father says no. Uh, his It's not his mom. Uh, just him. And his dad said, I guess you haven't had a nightmare. Uh, they talk for a bit about that, um, but not very deeply at all. Uh, there's a like a picture of his mom by uh, his his bed that Marco's dad is sort of like fixated on a little bit. Uh, is Marco's dad asks if he was dreaming about her, and Marco says that he does sometimes, but they wouldn't be nightmares. Um, and so then his dad basically just kind of tells him, okay, just, just, uh, you shouldn't be worried about boogeyman and then, and then kind of leaves. Like he's trying to be caring, but he can't be as much because, you know, he's so stricken with grief all the time. <laughs> and Marco feels conflicted about this. He wants his dad to, on the one hand, like get, like not forget his mom, but on the other hand, like get it together, get past it, stop being a, such a sad sack. But he knows that his dad's just going to go out into the living room and then, like, sit down on the chair and then fall asleep, which he does every night. Um, and he lays there sort of thinking about the situation that he's in uh, and the dream that he can't get out of his head. Uh, the last part of that sort of little vignette is it's hard to forget a nightmare that's true, uh, which... Ugh. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 rough. This mm -hmm. scene is 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 kind of uh, it's kind of hard for me to summarize because it's so emotionally, it's like it's so emotionally resonant. It's so focused on the relationship between Marco and his dad and how uh, his dad's grief sort of gets in the way of him being an actual father to Marco. It's honestly um, just kind of whiplash after, oh no, we're being boiled alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it, is, it is like, goes from like 90 to zero uh -huh. <laughs> real quick. Yeah, like it does. The previous it's... chapter, I almost got boiled alive. And even next chapter, I uh -huh. uh, I have a real kind of complicated relationship with my dad with talking about it being like... But oh, we, look, need we, that, we need that scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, Mar Marco is such a practical person. You know, he's... Uh, he he, kind of almost it feels like he kind of resents his father for being so maudlin about all this, and like it's understandable, but he's you know sick with grief every day, yeah, to the extent where he cannot properly take care of a child. <laughs> yeah, and, and Marco knows this. It's real complicated. <laughs> Yeah. It's like like again, like I I can understand both sides of it where it's like mm -hmm. yeah, he he obviously knew Marco's mom for way longer than Marco, but at the same yeah. time he does need to kind of like be like I need to stop checking out entirely and be there for my kid. Yeah, exactly. Um it also there's like a heartbreaking line here. Uh, my mom was Hispanic, very dark hair and eyes. Everyone says I look like her. I know it's true because sometimes when he's thinking about her, my dad will just glaze over and stare at me like I'm not even there. Like I'm a picture of someone else. Oof. And that, mm. that is yeah. hard. That, that's, that's deep. That, 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 that's heavy. Um, but then we go to another scene after this. It's the next day and Axe has finished the, uh, 
the distress beacon. Um, mostly. Uh, there's still the Z-Space transponder to go. They're out in the woods. They've brought sandwiches and Pepsi. Um, there's, you know, hand tools that Axe has been using that, Cassie, that Jake and Cassie have brought from their parents. Um, while Axe has constructed the dis distress beacon, they still need the transponder. And without that, it's useless. Uh, Rachel's like, well, what are we even doing then? Um, <laughs> so they, they have to obviously get... Uh, obviously have to you know get a hold of that vital component uh there's a little scene little nod here as jake just shrugged cassie sidled up next to him and gave him a small sideways hug no one was supposed to notice uh but right away jake's harsh look mellowed a little so we're getting that little like puppy love kind of yeah uh thing between jake and cassie which uh will continue to be a doesn't really change throughout the series I, <laughs> It doesn't, I don't know, it's, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it, it's not really something that develops, it's not really something that goes away, it's just something um, that's kind of constant. How do I put this? Their relationship does change significantly, but the outward expression of it will always be this, even if they actually feel different. <laughs> I see, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It changes internally, but not externally. Exactly, yeah. Um... So Tobias shows up at that point. Uh, he remarks there's no one near there, looks safe, but then also notes there's a golden eagle about a quarter mile south, so he's going to stay out of that area for a while, stay out of sight, hope it goes away. Um, and Marco remarks on like how tough Tobias's life is now, because not only does he have to deal with yerk dangers, but also red-tailed hawk dangers. <laughs> so, yeah, golden eagles sometimes eat hawks. So uh, Tobias has to get wor be worried about that because not only is he a predator, he's also prey. Um, there's a useless distress beacon in front of them they need to transponder for. So they, just, they, they, they think about how they can get one. And Tobias mentions Chapman because Chapman can ha has a means of communicating with Visser 3. They've been into his basement and they've seen him do that. So they know he must have some kind of Z-space transponder in order to do that. And Axe... It gets excited. Yes, yes, he must. He has to have a space transponder. And not only that, but any kind of uh, transmitter would probably have several redundant units. Only the size of a P. And if they took one, they probably wouldn't be noticed. They decide that they're going to have to invade Chapman's home again. Again. <laughs> which also, I, I didn't like how go they great for them last I time. Like, I like how they specify they probably mm -hmm. won't notice it immediately. Again, yeah. really tempting fate repeatedly. Yeah. Um, I also do want to mention, it's actually uh, earlier up there. Yeah. Uh, sorry, before this, toward the beginning of the chapter. Um, Axe is confident that they can use the transponder to create a Yurk stress beacon, distress beacon because he has a Yurk frequency that they've used to trick the Yurks before. And gee, I wonder <laughs> if they will have realized that this frequency has been compromised because you've used it to trick them before. <laughs> so Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I wonder if that's going to come into play later. Uh, who knows? You know, that's not actually the bit I thought you were going to backtrack to, if I'm honest. Oh, what did you think I was going to backtrack to? Uh, well, when Chapman is introduced, Marco has a little bit about how he used to hate Chapman 
because he was a controller and he was the assistant principal, but once he learns that Chapman made the deal to protect his daughter, he just can't do that anymore because it's too hard to mm. hate an innocent host. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's not yeah, a I mean, perspective hate... we get from a lot of the animals. He hate. He, I, I feel like he hated Chapman kind of in the way that any like mildly troublemaking twelve year old hates the assistant yeah. principal. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like, oh, my teacher fucking sucks. I hate their guts, even though yeah, it's like, you, exactly. you just hate them because they give you homework well, and tests. Also, <laughs> a, a, the assistant principal is the one that's in charge of discipline. So yeah. if if you if you make any kind of like, if you make any kind of waves or you uh, do something disruptive, they're the one you're talking to and the one that's telling you off. So obviously, if you're, um, you know not a perfectly well-behaved student you're gonna have some animosity toward that person um yeah i just i feel like it's really to... interesting that marco manages to make that emotional connection by effectively likening chapman yeah. to his own dad yeah that is that is fair I, I mean i didn't really make that connection myself but um that's that's true marco has a level of emotional depth that we only really get in his books and um I think that's uh, he's he's never going to externalize that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even a but little it's, bit. It's interesting to see that he feels that. Um, so, uh, Rachel actually is very resistant to the idea of going into Chapman's house again because the last time they did that, they put Melissa in danger, and Marco jokes that this is a historic first. Rachel saying no to a mission. <laughs> uh, but Jake says that Rachel is right to be worried. If they go in, they can't put Melissa in danger again, so they can't do the cat. They have to get in some other way. Uh, and Axe also kind of cautions them and says that, you know, they that they shouldn't take risks for him. Uh, they rescued him from the ocean. They sheltered him. And his foolishness, uh, all, quote, almost got Prince Jake and Marco killed yesterday. Um, so this is a sort of humble moment from Axe, which is the first time we've seen that. Before, Axe has been kind of arrogant, <laughs> yeah, he, arrogant yeah, he, and delight. He's always been like, ah, he's always been like, I'm, I'm above all this shit. And, and, now, and now, now he's, he's like, like no, yeah, no, I, I fucked up, up I don't, I done fucked up. I done <laughs> fucked up and I almost got shell killed. <laughs> also uh, alerted, uh, you know, hundreds of people to the existence of an alien deer on the planet. <laughs> yep, exactly. Now, uh, you say all this, but also it's probably a good thing, though, right? Because as bad as that situation is, that controller did see an Andalite. That's definitely yes. going to throw off suspicions that they're no, human. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I did just think of that, where it's like, because uh, it was like, Jake's brother was like, can we actually maybe, uh, you know, for a moment here, entertain the idea that maybe it's not Andalites? And meanwhile, Chapman's like, fuck you, my guy. <laughs> Listen, and it's like, well, Chapman's Ch like, Ch look, Chapman's I fucking like, told you. <laughs> Chapman's like, okay, you might be right, but are you gonna tell Visor 3 that? Yeah, it's like, I mean, <laughs> look, I we might be fucking wrong, but God, no, like, correcting yeah. that man is a one-way ticket to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which is, again, one reason that you shouldn't murder everyone who says no to you. <laughs> exactly. This way you can actually, like, you know, fucking take criticism, Visser 3, yeah. you dickhead. <laughs> you just surround yourself with sycophants and yes, man, to massage your own ego. This is yeah. what happens. Space <laughs> so, Musk, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, Marco's surprised at that. He expects Axe to argue that he should try and help him. And honestly, I think the readers would be surprised at that too, because if they're not aware of Axe's character later, and the fact that he's also a complex character, um, they would think that Axe is just basically your generic arrogant space elf, who's like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, convinced that he, he's in the right. Um, but no, he, he can, he can admit when he's wrong. And when he did, when he made a mistake, which he made a huge mistake back there. So they decide they can't do the cat. So they're wondering how they can get out. They have to have some kind of morph that can get in there, carry uh, something the size of a pea, and then get out unnoticed. And Cassie has an idea. Not a lobster, but something much, much smaller. Well, yeah, a lobster uh, would be pretty noticeable. And <laughs> we don't hear what that is, but spoilers, it's ants. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, ants can carry like, uh, was it like yeah. ten times their body weight or something? Like, if you if you yes. like scale the ant strength to like people size, they would be fucking literal superhumans. So we get <laughs> it's like an it's entirely. A really... We're gonna get an entirely different kind of horror. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah, because this is when the yeah. it's when the use sociology or whatever comes into play, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of, like mm-hmm. we have more no of a... sense of of individuality. More of an mm-hmm. existential. Uh, horror than anything else but yeah that's the end of my chapter and the end of our chapters for this podcast we took a while because we kind of got off on a lot of tangents yeah but But, um, i mean this is what happens when we skip a week of recording yeah yeah (laughs) um so to be fair uh, there's kind of been a lot going on in these first nine chapters (laughs) we can't sign off without saying what we thought about the first chapters of this new book so uh I personally like it a lot because even though the kids are still making stupid mistakes, we get an in-depth look at, we get a more in-depth look at Marco's character that will continue throughout the novel. Um, and we get, uh, I guess, like, not novella, I guess is more <laughs> like what these are. Um, it'll continue throughout the book. Uh, and we get um, some, we get our first real look at Axe as a character as well. That we'll, we'll get, we'll get more of that later, but uh yeah we get him sort of being a moron <laughs> <laughs> yeah but... again like when when you equated them him to like oh he's kind of just come across as like the haughty like space self equivalent it's like i didn't even thought of that but it's like yeah it really did kind of come across as such where he's like i am the uh-huh. infallible like great yeah. alien species and meanwhile it's what? like he's a fucking dipshit <laughs> well and, yeah no and andalite andalites are space elves uh <laughs> and they're just like space just like elves they're full of themselves uh, and that's probably no why they're getting their asses kicked by the Yorks because they keep uh, apparently thinking themselves as so high and mighty, and meanwhile it's like y'all keep fucking up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's a it's a problem for them. <laughs> they're uh, they're great, <laughs> but they're not as great as they think they are. Um, so yeah, what did y'all think? Um, well, honestly, I think this is probably my favorite intro so far. Like, don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed the beginnings of other books, but this one gets really into what we need to get into and also manages to hit the emotional beats within the same set of chapters. It's not like... Mm -hmm. Because with Cassie, for instance, we talked a lot about how much more interiority and introspective she was, and that's Mm -hmm. true, but a lot of her first nine chapters are just that. It doesn't have any real advancement of what's going on. They, this book managed to do that and the plot at the same time. Exactly, Which is something yes. that the last yeah. one really couldn't do as well. 
Yeah, it's been interesting to actually see, like, Marco as a person beyond just, like, the sarcastic, full-of-himself kind of, like, I'm the macho guy, I, I'm, I want to get all the girls or whatever <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. And also, I, fuck the planet, I guess, I just want to make sure I don't die. <laughs> so, so, and I guess make I sure mean... my friends also don't die. <laughs> You, you you mentioned Marcho Marcho. You mentioned Marco is Macho Marcho. Of... <laughs> Wait, fuck. You, you, I meant you, Mar- Macho Marco. That's what I meant to say. Not Marcho. You say, Marcho, you say Marco. Marco is kind of macho, and and that is kind of true. He does have that kind of air about him. But there's also, I don't know, like he is not afraid of saying that he's afraid. Yeah. But to be fair, yeah. He what he make what he does is he turns it into a joke, which is his own kind of armor. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, he, like, he's he's around himself in like trying to make a serious situation mm-hmm. not as serious because otherwise he'd be completely consumed by the fear of like, yeah, this is fucked. <laughs> which is why, which is why he makes fun of Tobias because what Tobias, what happened to Tobias scares him, and when he's scared, he makes jokes. Yeah. Like if so that's he, his reaction like, to fear. Like, he's like, I have to make fun of Tobias at times, because otherwise I'd be so consumed with how fucking terrifying it would be to be stuck as an animal. I yeah, mean, exactly. It's, like, it's the Spider-Man rule, right? You, you yep. make jokes mm-hmm. so you're not freaked out because this man in a giant rhino suit is trying to squish you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I, maybe that's why Marco keeps making Spider-Man references. That could be, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he literally was calling himself, like, every heroic superhero. <laughs> like, he was calling himself yeah. Captain America and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but this is the second or third time he's brought up Spider-Man. He, he makes comic book references, and he's mentioned this before in previous books. He makes comic book references because in comic books, the heroes don't die. <laughs> so... Uh, hmm. <laughs> Or they don't die permanently. Yeah, fair, fair, yeah, yeah. They they might die, but then like within an issue or two, they'll be like, okay, well, I'm back. Don't worry about it. They they have plot armor, and so yeah. Marco wants plot armor. Marco just being like, please, GM, please give me plot armor, and the GM's like, fuck you. Secretly <laughs> so, though, he this does is highly valid campaign, bud. Yeah. I gotta say though, like at this point in time superheroes don't come back all the time like that's not an established Mm -hmm. facet of the genre yet that starts with superman in the late 90s at this point it's just that heroes don't die it's kind it's kind of also more like become more of a thing these days i think because of like stuff like the mcu where they just will be like okay well uh, look it's all fucked but don't worry they'll be back in the fucking movie because why not (laughs) i don't know because actors leave yeah I, I feel like i feel like the presence of of a cinematic universe has necessitated that heroes at perma die or perma retire absolutely yeah but uh before that wasn't really the case but That's now funny. like we're not getting uh we're not getting um fucking what's his oh, god damn i forgot his name <laughs> i'm such a bad nerd captain america <laughs> uh chris evans we're not getting Chris Evans back. Uh, I mean, Captain yeah, America, be, so we be, can't get Steve because, Rogers back. Because they did a very stupid, uncomfortable thing of him going back in time to, like, smooch the lady that he liked in the first book. That's fine. He got a happy ending. I'm, I'm cool. I, I guess. But it, I, I also always think back to, like, the third one where he was smooching her granddaughter or whatever, and it's like, this is real fucked, and now you're going back in time and smooching her again, and it's like, what the fuck? Uh, don't. It's not hurting anyone. Don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, the uh, 
I, I the reason why I, I stopped watching the MCU after the second Spider-Man. I'll be I'll be fair. I liked this. Uh, oh, okay. Her knees. Okay, that makes it slightly and better, but still. <laughs> things are about to get real crazy in this book, and I'm yep. very excited mm-hmm. for it. And then after this, we got another. I'm excited for the book that comes after this. Yeah, so we're I just gonna go ahead and hyper-traumatize Marco real quick. Yeah, <laughs> let's just do that, and then we can move on to hyper-traumatizing Jake. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. because yeah, because I'm pretty sure the next one is Jake gets York, right? I mean, that's uh, what you've kept saying. I mean, based on the title and also the things you've alluded to, it's like I can't think of anything else. Uh-huh. Um, and also, it's like one of them has to get yerked at some point, so you can see how horrifying it is to have a brain slug in your head. Yeah. Um, so wrapping up business for the episode, uh, nobody got killed, nobody said thermals, and nobody said don't call me prince. So we didn't ding at all this episode. Not even wow, one. Wow, that's a first. That's a first. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wonder if this is ever going to come up again. It's like, I it's truly don't that know. It's all zeros. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up real quick is that on the American cover of this book, uh, Marco turns into a gorilla. This is one of the very few times that a character turns into an animal they didn't acquire in that book. And I'm not super sure why they went with that, apart from gorillas being cool. But most markets actually <laughs> used a different cover for the book. It's still done by David Mattingly, but I'm going to put the uh, the UK cover in chat. Yes, lobster. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's another. There's another one that's Marco to lobster later, though, isn't Pride there? Uh, I think that might be correct. Yes, but uh, I mean, presumably I... in the future version that I, would be replaced with something else i i, I remember that's a that's a much much later book and the scene where marco turns into a lobster in that one is incredibly pivotal to his character arc yep so um but i i, I don't know i i feel like I feel, I feel like maybe the gorilla is the right choice for this one so we could save that lobster for later but they wouldn't know that yet <laughs> they absolutely so. would not know that yet <laughs> Yeah, pure coincidence that worked out. And <laughs> I'm just now noticing just how fucked up his arm gets midway in the last of Yeah, <laughs> just, I like the middle one stretches. where it's just where it's just like Marco's face is just a mass of nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, just like the little yeah. antenna coming out of nowhere. It's not even though like they're stretching out to grow into place or whatever, and it's like his one arm is just like reaching out so far. <laughs> I like I like the cover. I like the uh, the photo manipulation covers, but they it, but it is in sort of a so bad it's good kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they uh, they were like really the one thing I knew about Animorphs ahead of time. It's like the cover is being <laughs> fucked. <laughs> All right, this episode is gonna be so fucking long. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, we, get, we, we really have to. Yeah, wrap it up here. Listen, if we stretch it out <laughs> yeah. for two more minutes, we'll hit no. the two-hour mark. <laughs> I mean, we will. Like, to be him? fair, we will just doing the the end part. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, I mean. I think that's pretty much it, so until next time, there's not much left to say, but, uh, Ciro did nothing wrong. Ciro did nothing wrong. I continue as ever to assume that you were telling the truth about Ciro doing nothing wrong. You really don't have to worry, Vivian. You you keep saying that, and it just makes you worry more. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs)